Welcome back, and a special welcome to one of my favorite people, Reggie Littlejohn, the founder and president of a terrific organization, Women's Rights Without Frontiers, an organization that under her leadership has really become preeminent in the space of championing the rights particularly of the unborn in China, where millions and millions and millions of babies are uh well, subjected to infanticide. Uh, indeed, there's some 400 million uh, such deaths that have been uh, taken credit for by the Chinese Communist Party, amazingly, over these many years. Um, Reggie is a leader on so many fronts, and we're going to talk about some of her projects, um, notably those that she pursues, um, as well as a member of our Committee on the Present Danger, China. It's always good to have her. Reggie, welcome back to Secure Freedom Radio. Thank you so much, Frank. Let me start with um, a topic that uh, you have taken point on, to your great credit. Um, we co-sponsored it uh, with your organization, um, Save the Persecuted Christians, um, Committee of the Present Age of China, and so on. But uh, talk about um, this phenomenon of vaccine passports. Uh, we're hearing more and more. Indeed, I believe that the Biden administration has just announced that uh, it is going to require that uh, employees of the Veterans Administration all have to be vaccinated. Um, what's afoot here and what are the implications, Reggie? Well, we oppose uh, mandatory vaccines, but also we, we, we oppose uh, the vaccine passport. And that's our, our focus. So we're not anti-vaxxers. We're not saying that you shouldn't have the vaccine. You know, some people sh you know, probably should have the vaccine um, who are in high risk. Uh, you know, their, their health is at high risk. But what we oppose is a digital passport uh, that you have to show to, uh, your, your vaccine status on. And the reason for that is that these digital passports are not like just sort of the, the innocuous digital uh equivalent of the, the vaccine yellow card that we're all familiar with from international travel. Rather, they use the same platform as China's social credit system, which means that all this functionality can be attached to them within a matter of hours, according to tech experts. So what's, what's the functionality I'm talking about? The China social credit system on people's phones, they, they have geolocation, you know, facial recognition. It, it is it is um, connected to your entire spending history, your um, social media posts, your uh, your your health history, your credit cards, your bank accounts. So in in China, which is moving to a cashless society, what they do is they they can they give a person a total score of really basically what amounts to how reliable of a communist they are. Um, and if you have a high score, you can lead what looks like a normal life. And if you, ha but you're not free because if you post something on on social media that criticizes Xi Jinping or says you know anything about Tibet or whatever, then your score will plummet. So if your score plummets, then you will find, it, you know, you can lose your job, you can um, you can lose your house, you will not be able to to, to borrow money to bu to buy a house, your kids will not be able to go to the schools you want them to go to, you will not be able to travel. If you get a really low score, like if you are an actual dissident, um, you know, they can just, they can, number one, cut off your access to your bank account and to your 
credit cards so that you have no ability even to buy food and they can disappear you. We don't want this in the United States. We certainly don't. And yet it does seem as though we're perilously close as the insistence of both political figures and healthcare professionals and the media intensifies that um, those who are not vaccinated are somehow endangering the rest of the population and everybody must be compelled to get vaccinated. And if they don't, there must be certain penalties associated with uh, that uh, failure to do so. And Reggie, I I think your concerns about the social credit system of China, which are uh, well grounded uh, when you see what this is doing to enable the most comprehensive forms of totalitarianism imaginable, and that the Chinese Communist Party, of course, is not content to simply inflict it upon their own people and those that they've enslaved in the captive nations of China, but that they're trying to export elsewhere around the world, including here. Uh, this this makes for a very worrying uh, set of prospects not least of which is that the Biden administration may well decide that it wants to not only have these vaccine mandates imposed on government personnel, but on others, school children or um, workers in various uh, private entities, but that it wants to begin using the kinds of technologies and techniques that go into the social credit system for uh, controlling our population as well. Um, A frightening prospect, and we thank you again. People can find out more about this project, this danger, um, at uh, the website of our initiative. Give us that website and and specifically talk just quickly about the webinar that's there. Yeah, the website is stopvaxpassports.org and it's spelled S-T-O-P-V-A-X passports.org. And uh, so you can sign a petition to stop these vaccine passports. So please do that and then we'll keep you updated. And we also had what I think is a magnificent and the authoritative uh, webinar on the dangers of vaccine passports. And you can find that on that um, website. It, I really urge you to listen to that because you will get the, you know, the truth from a variety of perspectives, including a high, high-tech perspective um, on the dangers of these passports. Amen. I, I was privileged to moderate that, and I agree with you. It was a terrific program, and your your particular contribution to it was uh, was required viewing, as I say. Um, let me turn to one of your other projects, Reggie, again, with the Committee on the Present Danger China and others of our friends, and that is uh, to try in the face of the continuing and it seems intensifying crimes against humanity of the Chinese Communist Party to ensure that we do not legitimate this regime, let alone persuade it that it can engage in such behavior and and all manner of other criminal activities, for that matter, uh, with impunity. I I saw that um, members of Congress have, on a bipartisan basis, uh, called for the genocide games, as we've been calling them, the February Olympic Games next year uh, in Beijing, to be moved. Uh, And I think if that does not happen to be boycotted, which is very much your position, there's a hearing today on the subject on Capitol Hill. As we speak, it's in prospect. As this program airs, it will have happened. But tell us a little bit about what uh, 
the lay of the land is on all these fronts and why this is such an important issue, Richie. China is, 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 has been officially designated as committing genocide against the Uyghurs and other uh, ethnic minorities in Xinjiang through forced abortion, forced sterilization, systematic rape, interning people in what they call re-education centers and what, what activists call concentration camps, uh, forced labor, <laughs> um, executing prisoners of conscience to harvest their organs for transplant. Okay, that's what, that's what constitutes this genocide. And it is completely inappropriate for the world to honor them by, al- by per- allowing them to host the Olympic Games. So we're trying to get the International Olympic Committee to move those games, or if they insist on keeping them in Beijing, that we need to, we need to not participate. So, um, there was a hearing about this in May in which I testified, and that hearing concentrated on the atrocities that are happening. Today, the hearing is about the corporate sponsors of these games. Uh, and, and so the, 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 the sponsors are being, um, brought before Congress to explain why they're sponsoring these Olympics. Um, and so, and one of the questions is how they will manage the material and reputational risks of being associated with an Olympic Games held in the midst of a genocide. So I am thrilled uh, that Congress is holding this hearing, and I can't wait to see what these witnesses have to say. Me too. And uh, again, I commend you for your leadership on this. Your testimony in that previous hearing was very powerful, Reggie Littlejohn. And I think particularly your point, which I hope will operate in today's hearing as well, namely that we actually have an obligation under the Genocide Convention to stand against the genocide and to punish the perpetrators of it. And this would be the antithesis of doing that, of course, and uh, must not go forward. Um, One other thing, uh, when we had a rally recently on this issue um, at the foot of the Capitol, Reggie, um, one of our colleagues, Jason Jones, a a filmmaker, I think he calls his uh, outfit uh, Movies to Movement, um, is... uh, quite impressive uh, national level uh, athlete who competed uh, representing our country internationally, um, I believe in uh, a couple of martial arts um, fields that were not at the time Olympic uh, events. But he has spoken at that rally about something that I think the athletes participating in the Olympics themselves should be mindful of, which is that the Chinese will use their DNA as part of the bioengineering that the Chinese Communist Party is engaged in to create, we know, super warriors, and I'm reasonably sure super athletes and maybe a super population for that matter, um, something that I would think most of these athletes would be horrified uh, to contemplate. Uh, talk a little bit about that and, and what other evidence there is that the Chinese are expropriating DNA for uh, potentially very ominous purposes, maybe even biological warfare for that matter. Thank you for asking me about that, Frank. So with respect to the athletes, the first thing I want to say is people say, oh, it's not fair to the athletes to boycott the game. Well, I'll tell you something else that is not fair to the athletes. It is not fair to the athletes, many or perhaps all of whom are horrified by what's going on in China. And, and it's not fair to force them to have to choose between their conscience, which says, I don't, I don't want to honor a regime that's committing genocide, and their athletic ambitions. That is unfair. 
we need to move the game. Now, in terms of the dangers to the athletes and going over there, uh, you know, I, I remember in the 2008 uh, games, there, there were athletes who didn't who did not participate in the, the 2008 in Beijing did not participate for health reasons, like I'm not running a, a marathon in that horrible error because it could do permanent lung damage, right? I mean, there are people who withdrew for that reason. And in the 2022 games, I think that there should, that, that the athletes need to be aware of other health reasons to not go there. Who's, who's to say? Look, that look no further than the Tokyo games underway right now, which have been a complete debacle in part because of COVID. Right, right. But but see, the Chinese Communist Party already either recklessly or deliberately infected the world with COVID-19. Who's to say that when they have this enormous international crowd that they might not, you know, release something else and, and everybody goes back to their host country, you know? So, so, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is what, what if they require some kind of a blood test? To, to, to compete. I mean, I, it, I wouldn't put it beyond them. I'm sure that they're absolutely lusting after the blood of those athletes because, because they can use it to do something they've already said they want to do, which is create super soldiers. Okay. So these athletes are, are the best specimens, you know, physical specimens in, in the world. Why would you know, if they could use, have their DNA to, to create super soldiers and also these athletes are inter, you know, they're every race, every country, and they could use their DNA to try to create biological warfare, you know, weapons that will that that will target certain populations. So, you know, so this is another thing that's not fair to the athletes. It's not fair to them to put them in a position where they could be forced to participate in such a nefarious and evil project. I hope that this hearing today will be the death knell for this whole venture and uh, that the corporate sponsors will see that it is in their interest as well as the national interest, as well as the athlete's interest uh, to pull the plug on the Beijing genocide games. And thank you for your leadership on that, Reggie. Let me turn quickly to one other issue that you have been helpful and supportive of. Um, Our Committee on the Present Danger China um, Captive Nations Coalition yesterday released a new report entitled China's Dream, The World's Nightmare. And uh, we're having a webinar today, again, as we speak. It's uh, in prospect. Uh, As you'll hear this, uh, it has happened. I really want to commend to our listeners um, going to the uh, website captivenations.org, both to see the report and to uh, take aboard the information that will be imparted by that webinar. Um, Reggie, uh, your thoughts on uh, the report and the importance of uh, getting clarity about what the Chinese Communist Party is doing with its Belt and Road Initiative uh, would be most welcome. Oh, Frank, uh, you know, I have read this report, and this is an absolutely groundbreaking and should be a game-changing report. And I just urge everyone to go on captivenations.org and read this report because it exposes uh, uh, the way, one of the ways, but perhaps one of the most important ways, that China is really the new colonialist. They are colonializing themselves throughout the world through this debt trap diplomacy where they will lend money to build infrastructure to a poor nation that they know is not going to be able to pay them back. And then they have these terms hidden in the contracts that say things like, 
if you can't pay us back by a certain time, we own the infrastructure. And so then they're, they're taking over infrastructure, natural resources all over the world through this. And I think it's got to be illegal. I mean, I, you know, so anyway, we got to stop this. Amen. Well, that's the point of this exercise uh, to figure out how to do that. And we've got some specific suggestions of policy prescriptions, as we call them, that uh, we'll be talking about in the webinar today. Please check out the report. As Reggie says, um, I'm so appreciative of your uh, laudatory comments, Reggie, because uh, they come from somebody whose expertise I really respect, and I think our audience does as well. And I hope that that will impel them to check out Captive Nations. Org. Reggie, come back to us again soon, if you would. It's so good to talk with you, and we appreciate so much your work on all of these fronts. I know you'll keep it up. I hope the rest of you will come back to us again tomorrow, same time, same station. Until then, this is Frank Afney. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Secure Freedom Radio with Frank Gaffney. This is Frank Gaffney with a word about a truly great American patriot in urgent need. Rich Higgins served in the U.S. Army and as a key civilian Pentagon official and senior strategist on President Trump's National Security Council. After he left the NSC, Rich continued advising Mr. Trump and others about the threats we are facing from enemies, foreign and domestic. He chronicled his experiences over the past 20 years fighting for America First in a terrific memoir entitled The Memo. Now this courageous freedom fighter is gravely ill due to severe complications caused by the Chinese Communist Party virus. He urgently needs help to defray the enormous costs of successive surgeries and a prospective organ transplant. I urge you to join me in contributing to a GoFundMe campaign named Medical Help for Rich Higgins. That's Medical Help for Rich Higgins at GoFundMe.com. God bless you and Rich Higgins.